Chapter Ten of Kilgloom Park by Neil Boyton S. J. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Ten, Scout Trouble. For several years now, the first Wednesday in August had been Boy Scout Day at Kilgloom Park. It was late in the afternoon of the first Wednesday in August, and scouts with the blue neckerchief of Manhattan, the black of the Bronx, and the orange of Queens the green of richmond and the maroon of brooklyn proclaimed that the five boroughs of greater new york owned the big coney island amusement park the only two in scout uniform who seemed not to be enjoying themselves were angelo daly and buddy his mischievous pet who in honor of the day was dressed in a ridiculous khaki shirt and shorts that helen over at the check your valuables counter of the pole had sewed and presented to buddy's master a tiny maroon neckerchief proclaimed buddy's borough allegiance there were several reasons for the worried looks on Angela's usually sunny features. It is an unofficial scout law that all scouts like monkeys, and so Angela's charges had had a rather strenuous afternoon. Troops of scouts had draped themselves around the edges of the jungle scene, and only by superior force had they vacated their choice positions to other troops. Angela was hoarse telling individual boy scouts, Get back there and let those monks have some fresh air. When a scout voice had retorted, what do you care, Tenderfoot, if your brothers get fresh air or not? Angelo had retired into momentary silence. Then he remembered, a scout is kind to all animals. And he called out, Hey, monkeys are animals, so get back if you respect the sixth law. This reminder had the desired effect, and Angelo's charges were free from the danger of suffocation for that one time. But the high point of Angelo's strenuous day came when he returned from lunch and was horrified to see a boy actually inside the sacred jungle scene. Angelo started to run, shouting, Hey, you full Manhattan scout, do you want to be eaten alive? At the angry voice, the strange boy looked around hastily. Then he ran across the cage to the edge nearer the animal world side. Here he grabbed up a handkerchief. The monkeys, excited by the intrusion of a stranger, sprang to purchase on the higher branches of their trees. Their chattering increased as Angela reached the rear door, which was standing ajar. "'How did you get in here?' he demanded of the stranger. "'Why, what is it to you?' was the counter-question. "'I'll show you. You come out. It's easy to see you never had to chase yourself sick, hunting loose monkeys all over Coney Island. What did you want to open this door for?' "'Keep cool, Sonny,' the Manhattan scout said. "'Who are you, Mr. Kilgloom Park?' I'll show you. Angela sprang to the door and snapped the lock. Now you stay there till I get the police. With his consoling knowledge, Angelo daily darted away in search of one of the park guards. By the foot of the chutes, he spied Big Al Dundy. Hastily explaining the crime of the prisoner held captive in the monkey cage, he led the chief of the park force through the animal world entrance, by the menagerie, and back to the jungle scene. Several hundred scouts were crowded here, offering advice and encouragement to their imprisoned fellow. "'Watch out for that scout-eating big fellow in the corner. He's got a hungry eye on you,' an orange neckerchiefed Queen's patrol leader suggested. "'Say, big boy, you certainly look at home there. Have a peanut,' was the bright offering of about a dozen. A passage opened when the scouts around the cage caught sight of the gray uniform of the park guard. Big Al stalked through. Angela importantly brought up the rear. When the two came to the side of the cage, Angelo called out, There he is, officer. Arrest him for... 
for unlawful trespass. That's too serious a charge to make, Mr. Daly, said Big Al solemnly. Then further to impress the listening audience and the open-mouthed boy captive, the burly detective said, Do you wish to make a lesser charge against this violator? As seriously as a judge, Angela replied in a loud voice, What is the lesser charge, officer? You can charge him with illegal entry. That doesn't carry a heavy jail sentence, officer, Angela wanted to know. Never over thirty days. All right, officer, I'll make the illegal entry charge against this fellow. Come around back. The detective and the master of the monks walked through a deeply impressed double row of scouts to the rear of the cage. Here Angelo importantly produced his key, and unlocking the door, ordered, Here, you, come on out. This officer wants to take you with him. A very meek boy came through the open door. Big Al put his hand on the trembling shoulder. Then he asked seriously, What did you want to get into this cage for, bud? I... I was leaning close to the cage, and one of the bigger monkeys, that one there on the branch, sir, came springing over. Before I knew it, he reached through the bars and grabbed my handkerchief out of my breast pocket. It was my sister's best silk handkerchief, and she doesn't know that I have it. You are sure you are not teasing these animals? Angelo demanded. No, sir. The sir softened Angelo's heart immediately. Well, officer, I think this young man has been punished sufficiently. So, grandly, I withdraw the charge of illegal entry and recommend you let the prisoner go free. Thank you, sir, said the scout gratefully. But let me warn you, Tenderfoot, Angelo said this with all the air of a venerable scout commissioner, never go into a monkey cage again unless there's an animal man, like me, along with you. You don't know what dangers you escape this time. Yes, sir. Now go and keep out of trouble in Kilgallen Park. The scout was only too glad to rejoin his companions, and a triumphant Angelo, feeling completely vindicated in his position, resumed his watch over his monkeys. But it was the same story of eternal vigilance for most of the afternoon. Angelo had his charges give special performances, and he kept a strict eye on them that they did not eat too many of the peanuts unlawfully thrust through the bars. With the coming of the supper hour, the majority of the Boy Scouts left for Manhattan, Bronx, Richmond, Queens, and Brooklyn boroughs, and the sudden silence that descended on Kilgallen Park told more eloquently than words the noises that had ruled the afternoon. At length, Angelo Daly thought it was safe to leave the jungle scene, unguarded, and get some supper. Come on, buddy, you and I eat. That is, he amended frankly, you watch me eat, you little pig, for if you put another atom inside your tight little hide, there will be an explosion. Honest, if I had eaten all the peanuts you did this day, I'd be sick as a dog. And look at you, as lively as a sparrow. Come on, you ten-gallon container. Come on and watch a hungry man eat. Buddy was more than willing, so he chattered his teeth and leaped to the boy's right shoulder, where, holding on for dear life to Angelo's ear, he balanced himself to his master's somewhat erratic scout pace. The two had come under the chute's incline and out onto the walk that circles the west of the lake. The water was almost mill-like, as few passengers were shooting the chutes at the slack supper hour. Angelo had almost breasted the towering diving tower used in some of the outdoor free acts, when he saw a chute boat moving out from the side of the lake, where it was moored with extra boats. A blue neckerchief scout was paddling vigorously towards a floating scout hat, all unconscious that he was sending himself into the path of any descending chute boat. Angelo gave one horrified look up the incline. 
then a shout of warning was easily audible through the greater area of Kilgloom Park. The cradle was being tipped, and a shoot boat, loaded with five passengers, was just beginning to slide down the waterway. Angelo put his fingers to his mouth and whistled. At the piercing sound, the boy turned. Excitedly, Angela pointed up the chute incline. He shouted, Dive overboard and swim this way. Do you hear? The boy had stood up and he seemed paralyzed by the sight of the descending chute boat, which now had gathered speed and was thundering down the water splash waterway. In a few seconds, it would disappear under the bridge across the bottom of the chutes and then reappear, bounding at destroyer speed directly at the floating obstacle. Others, attracted by Angela's shouts and whistles, had come running to the edge of the lake, and were looking helplessly at the impending tragedy. The khaki-clad boy still stood there undecided, when the shoot boat disappeared under the bridge. The next second, Angela shouted, Lie down! Lie down! Low bridge! Low bridge! I tell you, low bridge! This order seemed to penetrate into the brain of the frightened boy. As the shoot boat reappeared and came bounding directly at him, the khaki-clad boy ducked low in between the seats of his boat. A moment later, the bows of the shoot boat came up, bounded neatly as a porpoise over the guard of the drifting boat, and its momentum carried it over the crouching boy. Next second, the stern cleared the other guard, and at considerably reduced speed, the shoot boat sped toward the landing stage. Angelo parked Buddy on the rail with hurried orders to stay parked or get spanked crawled down the outside of the rail, and dropped into the shallow waters of the lake. Wading and swimming, he approached the floating boat. A white-faced boy with blood on his forehead was just rising from his crouching position as Angela's hand caught the boat's guard. Angela pulled himself on board and picked up the steering oar. Then he received another shock. This boy was the Manhattan scout who had been locked up in the jungle scene earlier in the afternoon. For heaven's sakes! It's you, is it? Angela's disgust was evident in his tone. I might have known it. Still, the boy in khaki was held speechless by his recent accident. Angelo dug his oar into the water and swung the boat's bows towards the landing stage. He saw Captain Daly running down from the exit gates. The five shoot boat passengers, who had unwittingly played leapfrog over this boat, were disembarked and standing in an excited group on the stage awaiting Angelo's landing. The landing men grabbed the guard of the truant boat with their boat hooks and yanked it in. They lifted out the bleeding scout and laid him down. Captain Daly called to a landing man, Here, Joachim, take this lad up to the office. Go along with him, Angelo. As the two departed, Angelo heard the manager of Coglin Park speaking into the phone that connected with the top of the chutes. Angelo halted to listen. Jim, that you? Send that lookout dreamer who tipped the cradle, without looking down, to the offices to get his time. The captain listened, then replied, You did already? Good. Angelo hastened to overtake Joachim, who had the scout in his arms. A small crowd momentarily growing larger to have the landing stage man in his burden. At the foot of the lake, Angelo remembered his buddy, parked by the opposite rail. He called shrilly, and the delighted small monkey, who was chattering angrily at several inquisitive boys, came bounding around the lakeside to rejoin his master. Back to the offices, Angelo learned with relief that Doc Morin had made an examination and reported the scout was suffering from a slight scalp wound only. If that's the case, Cap, you better set that scout trouble outside the gates as soon as possible. Why? Angelo told of the previous invasion of the monkey cage. Captain turned to the boy with a bandaged head. 
I guess you have had enough excitement for one day, son. Go with this park boy to the gate. Meekly, the scout let Angelo lead him to the main entrance and push him through a brass-railed exit lane. You better get out and keep out, scout trouble. Anybody who would go into a monkey cage and float out in front of a shoot boat all in the same afternoon is not safe to have loose in Coglin Park. Go home. Yes, sir. The boy departed down Surf Avenue. Angelo daily breathed a sigh of relief. Now for supper and plenty of it. Hey, buddy? Buddy, despite an afternoon's supply of peanuts, was more than willing. End of chapter 10 Recording by Maria Therese